Hello and welcome to Football Scotland Daily, the podcast that brings you all the big news, analysis and debate Monday to Friday, just in time for your daily commute. I'm Adam Miller, and in an attempt to prove Boris Johnson isn't the only man capable of inflicting unimaginable pain from an ill-deserved position of power, I'll be hosting today's podcast. (laughs) I'm joined by a man whose youth and impressive work ethic will make him a vital cog in next year's violent, harrowing but ultimately successful anti-Boris uprising, Chris Doyle. And sitting next to him is the man who'll be planting a red flag in number 10 on that momentous day, Gaby Mackay. Thank you. (laughs) No, thank you, Gaby. (laughs) (laughs) On today's pod, we'll be discussing Ian Black's very on-brand criticism of Stuart McCall, the departure of Rangers winger Daniel Kandias, and the latest developments in Kieran Tierney's on-off Arsenal transfer. So remember Ian Black... He was on Cy Ferry's Open Goal podcast yesterday giving Stuart McCall some stick and it was every bit as classy as anyone who saw Black's reaction to being sent off at Tannadice would expect. He said, I didn't know McCall, I didn't know anything about him. Then he went on to say training was brilliant and to this day the best technical sessions he'd had and probably the best coach that he'd had but that was the only positive he had. So he said, what was the problem with him? I don't know, I'd have to meet him in a dark alley and ask him. Recalling the time that he was left out of Rangers' 2015 playoff final defeat against Motherwell, Black said, I sat down in the kit and he came over and put his arm around me. No joke, he said, I know you're going to be disappointed. And I just looked at him. He went, I'm not going to involve you today. I totally understand if you want to take your keys and go home. I went, are you winding me up? And there's some swearing in there that I've edited out. That was it. No respect for the guy. No respect whatsoever. So... He's Colin McCall names, he says he wants to meet him, he'd, he'd, ask, he'd meet him in a dark alley, he's got no respect for the guy, he didn't know who he was when he took over at Rangers. So, a few things to unpick there, Gaby. Are, are there any Rangers fans out there who empathise with Black? I mean, does he have a valid point about McCall's treatment, or, or is this just indicative of the kind of petulance that people associate with Ian Black? It's difficult to tell without knowing for sure what went on behind the scenes, but he made some sort of bizarre allegations, one of which I think was that the boy that was playing ahead of him in the midfield, his mum cut uh, Stuart McCall's hair, uh, and that's why he was in the team. Now, if you've seen Stuart McCall's hair, I'm not sure that, that you know, I'd be dropping him for that. But, yeah, it's a bit difficult. I mean, Stuart McCall obviously didn't get Rangers promoted, so mm-hmm. he didn't he didn't do the job he was put in there to do. Black may have a point when he says that he didn't rotate the team enough and they were knackered for the playoffs, but it really does, I think, smack of sour grapes. I think if you ask Rangers fans, they wouldn't say he was a standout performer in the in the three years he was at Ibrox. And yeah, I don't think he's much much lamented. Whereas uh, Stuart McCall obviously was a was a part of the nine in a row team and is a bit of a, a Rangers legend. So I think, judging from the reaction I've seen, I think the uh, people will be coming down in favour of, of McCall. Chris, when Ian Black took the drop down the divisions to play for Rangers, did you expect him to be more successful than he was? I think so. He was obviously a part of that um, that Hearts squad that won the Scottish Cup. Um, it was like 5-1 against Hibs. Um, so he, was, I guess, probably had his best spell at Hearts in terms of his career. He was quite young then. Um, going to Rangers, especially going divisions down, you would expect him probably to sort of you know, take that sort of league by storm, you know, be probably a standout player, but he just really wasn't. It just kind of gave me the, that kind of sort of his attitude or whatever wasn't really there, which I guess wouldn't surprise us since we've seen how his kind of career's unfolded. I was just thinking he was probably just thought he was, you know, probably went down there taking it for granted that, you know, maybe they would just sort of storm back up 
to the top division and he would just kind of stroll it when really that it's not necessarily the case you know there's still going to be tough games yeah and um, but really like the the talent he had he really should have you know been one of the best players sort of in the lower divisions and he just because yeah, he actually was a decent player yeah like, he was yeah, yeah i know yeah. for hearts he was he was good and his really since going down to rangers has i mean look at the teams he's played for since it's shrewsbury blackpool skelmersdale united chorley and a junior side tranant, tranant. i mean yeah. that's like so he i always just kind of got the impression that he thought he was just better than he was he was an all right player he was good but he always thought he was like a player there's just so much better and i just think that kenny probably didn't really have like maybe sort of maybe the right attitude you know to make it to the very top you know the game or maybe maybe stayed in but in that rangers team but i think yeah like when he left obviously stuart obviously stuart mccall left at the end of that season and he obviously chose to move on i mean he could have he could have stayed and maybe just sort of warbton was coming in and then everyone would have had a sort of that clean slate you know what i mean like there don't know if that really insinuate you know i mean you, you get that those that i would say with mccall um obviously the, the criticism of him coming in that playoff and just being like look you're not in the team that's not easy for any player and that's no. you know that, that's obviously a wee bit of sour grapes you know but there's there's just two ways to deal with that and you know he he could have either he what he did was how he sort of did it and then there's the other way you could have just went and you know been like just take it on the chin and just you know just sort of bounce back from that you know because yeah. those things happen all the time in like you know dressing rooms i think that was a cogent analysis from chris uh can i just play my role and point out the video on youtube of stuart mccall falling off a car <laughs> while drunk uh everyone should search that it's it's very a, funny it's a timeless classic <laughs> i was right i was writing about uh, ian black and stuart mccall earlier on today and i felt like i'd made the point that i wanted to make pretty concisely but i was like is there a way where i can just crowbar the video into it i I decided against it because i knew people would just respond with the video anyway but i was like can i just shove this in here just just so i can see it again i've actually never seen it so have you know like i've missed out or maybe it was just a long time ago and i've not i I think you know for for (laughs) all that that people say Stuart mccall wasn't necessarily the most technically gifted player and he was more about getting stuck in and determination i don't think i've ever seen better technique than the fact that he didn't manage to spill any of it no textbook absolutely i mean his dignity and his pride were probably a bit damaged but not a drop falls out and you know you've only you've got to applaud the man for that um, Gaby, as as entertaining as it is for the public to hear comments like Ian Black's and kind of get an insight into what really goes on in the dressing room, is there something to be said for just knuckling down? And if you have, you know, a far more high profile situation going on just now at Real Madrid, for instance, with Bale and Zidane, is there a case to be made for you know you just knuckle down and if it's not going to work out for you there, you set about proving that manager wrong, whatever you do in the rest of your career. Yeah, I think so. And I think Black, I don't think, has. I mean, you've listed off the clubs he's played for. He was maybe past his best when he left Rangers anyway, but you can't really say he's gone on and, and proved Stuart McCall wrong. With, I mean, I've not been watching much of Tranent Juniors this season. For well, all we he, know, I mean, he could be a standout. Yeah, he's only 34 now, so what, he left Rangers when he was, what, 29, 30? So, yeah. I mean, you can hardly say these. I mean, really, some players should be going into like, playing their best football then. So I don't know if there's that much, like, an excuse for them, you know what I mean, in yeah. terms of like, you know, and it's, it's, you know, as it, unless it's like injury problems or whatever, but I mean, I don't know, he certainly seemed to have his best bell at heart when he was really, like, he shouldn't have really necessarily been in his prime. Yeah. So, I, I don't know, sorry to interrupt there, but I don't know, like, it's, I think it's, I don't think, you're right where you're saying at the start about, I think Rangers fans are going to side with McCall in this because of what, obviously what he did for the club, despite obviously that kind of, 
uh, when he was in charge, not doing doing that great. But as a player, he was obviously brilliant for them. And I just I just think Ian Black's just I think he's just kind of came on and just been with sour grapes on that there uh, with the. The interview with Simon Verdi, to be honest. I mean, you do like you like to see the sort of uh, the honesty. It's much better than the usual sort yeah. of cliche oh, sound bites. The yeah, fact that absolutely. you know he actually came out and, and properly no, slaughtered the guy. You know, yeah. I'd rather listen to that than yeah. You know, had a great time there, great club, great lads. Unfortunately, yeah. we just fell short. You know, yeah, absolutely. It's great content for us. So, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so Daniel Kandias has completed his move from Rangers to Turkish side Genkler Brugge. It surprised a few people as he was a popular figure among the Rangers support and the move was wrapped up within just a couple of days, I think, of the rumour emerging. So it has been a bit of a surprising one. There's been an outpouring of well wishes from Rangers fans. Kandias himself said it was a tremendous honour to wear a badge. It was a hard farewell due to all the fantastic moments there. I'll treasure them forever. Huge thanks to the supporters for the love and support. Once a Jer, always a Jer. So there's a mutual uh, admiration between Kandias and the fans there. Uh, Chris, do you think that his departure weakens Rangers significantly, or do you think that Stephen Gerrard sanctioned the move on the basis that he's already got significant cover there? No, I think I think they will they will miss him. Um, I think it was the, I don't think really sort of as a Gerrard Rangers you know had a say. I think he always kind of decided that um, he was going to move on, and then his contract's out next summer, so Rangers were like, well, we may as well just get rid of him sort of a year left and get something back for them because he'd kind of made his made his decision um but i think that if you overall you look like his kind of contribution for, to the team the past few seasons i think he's got better every year um and his, i think i'm going to read you some of the, some of his numbers so he's played 97 games for rangers 14 goals 25 assists so basically assists like one in four and actually, I guess I go and assist in forty percent of the games right, he okay. plays in. With that's actually so. I mean, you can't. I would say like so that um sort of just that level they produces. That's I mean you have to say like Rangers will miss that. I mean how they. I, I just don't know. Obviously Ojo's coming in. He he's been playing on the right with his few games we've seen. So um, you'd imagine he'll just sort of direct sort of replacement. Um, in that side, but you just wonder if is he going to have the same understanding as Tavernier because Tavernier and um, Candace got on really well down that right hand side, yeah. so that's something that they're going to have to link up. Um, so he's like, are they going to be able to hit the ground running? Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. With Ojo in a loan spell and just be able to sort of replicate that. So I think they will they will miss him, and I think it was just a case of um, I don't think Jelb was factoring in from leaving at all, really, until like basically just last week when it was sort of like a sh- it would have been a shock to him as much as it is for the fans. Yeah, and Gabe Chris raises a good point there about the link up between Tavernier and Candace down the right. Uh, we've discussed that already on this pod. And how important do you think it is to have two players on the same flank or with a good understanding? Or how big an asset do you think that is to a team? Yeah, I think that that can be a really a really important thing that. Depending on the characteristics of the players, I mean, you look at those two. Tavernier likes to bomb on, he likes to get forward, he might leave gaps in behind. Candeus is defensively responsible enough that he'll, you know, fill in for him if he does that. And I think that's a big part of the reason, you know, everyone laughs about James Tavernier's defending. It's sort of improved in recent years, and I think a big part of that probably is playing with Candeus. Like you say, you, you, you've got uh, countless examples down the years of, I'm obviously not comparing these two to this player, but you know, look at Barcelona when they'd play Messi sort of out wide on the right and he would come in and then Dani Alves yeah, would go yeah. the other side of him. You know, that was a an absolutely potent combination down that side, obviously with the with the way Guardiola plays, likes to get his fullbacks going. He does much, much the same with his fullbacks at Man City. 
Um, so yeah, I think it's it's very important to have players who on the same flank who know what the other's going to do, who can absolutely have those movements down, you know, by rope basically. Yeah, yeah I think Candace's work rate, you know, wasn't just you know he may have not chipped in with like a lot of goals, you know. But um, yeah, his work rate was something that really kind of complemented Tavernier well because he could just cover for them. And I think like maybe if Tavernier does have those sort of defensive discrepancies, he would sort of you know fill fill them in. So I think it's going to be what well, does Ojo. He seems like you know very good at um, player going forward and attack. You know very exciting. But is he going to have that same discipline and that yeah. like? And especially if you're in Europe, you know, or if you're playing a team like Celtic, maybe like Park Edge, you know, you do need those players to sort of like be able to just do a job like Candace. And I think that's why he was so important. I mean, so it's just one of those things. And I think it's interesting to look at the sort of his relationship with Morelos as well, because we we know that those two are good friends. And obviously Morelos' future seems to be up in there. But look what happened when, you know, you just seen it across the road when, Dembele left as soon as he left in Cham kind of through the toys out of the pram do you think I mean you actually have to maybe later down the line is that another situation that could unfold because when you've got a kind of player there who's like sort of his you know he's from from like a different background and things like that it's important to have those players of the clubs who can sort of you know close kind of relationships and I think um, Morelos definitely had that with Candace. So what you're saying is Morelos no, to I... Genschler Beerlogy is happening. <laughs> like Zlatan insisting that Maxwell went to every club he was at. No, but does that sort of like push him out the door further? Do you know what I mean does that sort of does that like sort of quicken the process? Because I mean yeah. you have to say he's going to be. You know it will come as I said it will come. This kind of games are shocked everyone. So obviously you have to do what's best for your career, which is, that's Candace has done. But it's just one of those things to I think to look at. You know it might yeah. be a sort of byproduct of it, a knock on effect. I think Gerard did say though that he'd spoken to Candace and basically said you know you you can fight for your shot but I'm not going to guarantee you playing time and he basically said look I'm 31 I want to play and that's how the kind of move yeah. to Turkey came about and so I think that's probably with hindsight why Gerard left him out of the Europa League squad yeah. initially because he probably knew that there was some chance that if Candace could find a club that he would be moving on. I think it's it's fair for both sides, you know what I mean? But um, I think those numbers that I had said, about 40%, you know, scoring yeah. or assisting, I mean, obviously it's a small sample size, not to try to compare the players, but that's actually the same, the exact same sort of uh, numbers we're looking at for James Foddest, right. who has okay. obviously played like what it's like, I think his was like 350 games, 70-odd goals, 70-odd assists, so that's a lot longer span, being more consistent. But at the end of the day, like, the, the numbers don't lie. Rangers still need to sort of, you're going to have to replace those from somewhere. So yeah. I think that's the question going forward. Now, 250,000, is that enough for them to go out and get someone? I think that now makes it even more important that Kent comes in the door because if, if from last season you're losing Candace and you're losing Kent, that's just one of those things. That these, yeah, he's brought new guys in, but they're going to have to sort of, yeah, really just kind of straight from the off go and need to be getting these goals and assists to help sort of um, Defoe and Morelos up top. Yep. So we're going to try something new on today's podcast and talk about Kieran Tierney. (laughs) (laughs) Several reports have now stated that Arsenal's pursuit of the Celtic left-back is finally over, although there are suggestions from some areas that they're preparing yet another bid. If it does turn out to be the case that Tierney is staying at Celtic after all, there is always the possibility that he could suffer another injury-hit season and there might never again be a similar offer. Chris, do you think there's a chance that Tierney, Celtic, or maybe even both will end up considering this a missed opportunity. No, I don't think so. It just with with Tierney's age, he's twenty two, he did have a he obviously had as you you uh, alluded to, he had a 
a season last year where he had quite a few injuries um, sort of hampered by them ended up having this surgery um, obviously it's a little bit of a worry in terms of like will we come back to the same player right away that's not it'll probably take him a while to so but that's why they've, they've probably they brought in uh, Bolly just so they can have him sort of for the first half of the year I think or at least the early stages just in case he doesn't come, come back to that player but in terms of his like his transfer value I don't think he's so he's 22 and I don't think he's ever shown that he's injury prone I think he yep. did have a bad season but I mean this is a guy who was like broken jaw Scottish Cup final yeah you know, comes back within what, like an hour, like bursting through the, after like an operation essentially to lift the trophy. You know, this guy's like, he's a durable player and he's yep. hard, like, he's one of these players you would consider to be pretty tough, hard as nails. You know, I don't think he's going to be one that's going to end up. I think this is just a season there where he had these injuries and hopefully getting the surgery that's ironed out. And yep. with his age, I feel like he can still still go on to be better with Celtic and I'd, you know, I don't necessarily see his value going up but in terms of what you're saying about decreasing I don't think it would decrease and if, you know, if Arsenal aren't meeting that figure then all credit to Celtic for at least standing firm because how many times we see Scottish teams like just kind of buckle as soon as somebody offers some money and then that's them sort of they'll just take it whereas you know, Celtic have been strong and been like no this is our price so Do you think then that does set a kind of good example from Celtic if it turns out that he does stay with the club do you think then Celtic deserve kind of you know applause for standing firm then and uh, and you know that this might set a precedent for other teams when big clubs come knocking well you would hope so the only thing is that Celtic are in a strong position because in terms of just financially so in terms of what they've done recently in terms of you know they've been sort of getting big transfer values for players that they've brought in and then it you know, selling on later for profit. So they're probably in a good position where it's like, you know, compared to maybe like Motherwell um, with Turnbull was, they were they, they were wanting that money through the door because they could wipe off debt. Celtic don't have to worry about that. So, yeah. you know, they, they can, they don't need the, necessarily need the 25 million now no. um, in terms of like, so I think it's, but you would, so it's hard to say, Celtic are in a different ballgame than the, say if you're looking at other teams in the league. So they have that advantage. But I think overall in terms of, Maybe if it's for Celtic terms, maybe it just shows like other clubs, like you for their kind of sort of assets, you can't just come in and just oh, you know lowball them. You know, I think yeah. it's it's all at least in at least it's been like you know we'll set a value, but you need to meet that. Um, so, but I think I think overall it is good that they've stood firm though. Yeah, and uh, Gaby, if Tierney is staying and he manages to keep himself fit, how much of a boost will that be for Neil Lennon? Well, I think everything will be all right if he just keeps playing like he's twenty two. Um, you know, but he has had that injury, which is, which is an issue. I mean, Chris, Chris is sort of shrugging off, but that's that's a he's had a double hernia operation over the summer. We've seen other players who have struggled to come back from injuries like that. You know, Marco Verratti at PSG, who I've mentioned before, he's had persistent issues with his groin injuries. Now, if he gets back and is fit all season, that'll obviously be a massive boost for Celtic. He's the best left back in the league by some distance. It'll help them in Europe. Lennon would absolutely love to have him back. But, you know, I'm not sure I necessarily agree with Chris that this is necessarily a great thing for for everyone concerned because you don't know what his body's going to do to him with that kind of injury. They may, Celtic may never be able to get that kind of money again. Well, they couldn't get the £25 million certainly up front that they wanted, yeah. but we don't know what kind of money they'd be able to get from the future. We don't know if this injury that he's had, which he's still, as we said, recovering from surgery, we don't know if that's going to be a recurring problem and that could hamper him in his career and he might not reach the heights that we all hope and expect he could do, he wouldn't be the first player to have those kind of issues. So, 
yeah, I mean, obviously we'll see what happens. You, you never know with the, the, the closer the transfer deadline gets in England, you might see Arsenal panicking a bit and coming back with the, the money that, that Celtic want. But yeah, I, I guess d- I guess we'll see. I did take um, Gabe point, Gabe's point on board. Could you just look at Nabil Fakir, who's just moved to Betis um, like just today and uh, from Leon, And he was, you know, talked about for like sort of like 60, 70 pound million move last summer. Um, to Liverpool, issue cropped up in his medical. He ended up consequently that didn't go through. Ended up not having a great year, and somehow he's moving for like seventeen million. Yeah, which seems like a bargain for mm-hmm. Betis, but maybe the you know maybe for Leon's perspective is that maybe they should have got like you know Olivier and Cham would be another example. Yeah, yeah. Celtic rejected two bids of what was it eighteen million. Mm-hmm. They're never going to they're never going to get eighteen million for him now. Nope. So. Yeah, you know, you just you just can't tell. Obviously, t- time time will tell what happens. If if he stays fit and performs the way we know he can for Celtic next season, then they'll be absolutely delighted he stayed. Uh, but it just depends on how well he recovers from that injury. I think. Yep. So before we finish up, a quick test for you both. I've been working on a piece that involved me googling the former Rangers defender Carlos Quer, and I noticed an interesting line on his Wikipedia page. So I'm going to give you three lines. And you can tell me which of them is a genuine line from his Wikipedia page. So I'll let both of you guess. Um, and if you both give me the right answer, there's a tiebreaker at the end. So which of the following is a genuine line from Carlos Quare's Wikipedia page? Number one, in December 2015, Quare became a vegan for health reasons. He made this decision after watching the documentary Forks Over Knives. Two... In March 2017, Quer was commissioned by flagship Spanish broadcaster La Uno to, pro- to produce 14 episodes of his children's series, The Angry Maids of Salamanca. And number three, Carlos Quer, Player of the Year, now he's a bleep. So we'll start with you, Chris. <laughs> I'm going to go for number three. Just because <laughs> the first two are just complete nonsense. <laughs> Surely... <laughs> So, you, I so you're really believe those two. So you're you're going for Carlos Claire, Player of the Year. Now he's yeah, people, a bleep. People can edit with your Wikipedia pages, so I can see just like an old fan going on and just yeah. maybe to just okay. What, on him. what about you, Gaby? I think. Well, I'm not convinced you haven't frauded this, and they're all on there. But if I have to pick one, I'm gonna go for number one, the vegan thing. You're going for the vegan thing. Yes. Okay. So the winner is. As ever, Gaby. (laughs) So it does genuinely say there are are literally only two lines in the personal life section of Carlos (laughs) Quare's Wikipedia page. And they are, in December 2015, Quare became a vegan for health reasons. He made this decision after watching the documentary Forks Over Knives. You've got to give me some credit for the angry maids of Salamanca. Though. No, that, that is, is very good. A lot of work no, well, went into as that. I said, I thought I actually thought that um, you'd frauded this and that all of them were on there, and it was I going mean, to be a trick question. So I did. I mean, I believe that a Celtic fan would have edited it and put mm-hmm. the third one in. And the angry maids of Salamanca. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'd watch it. You yeah. know, these sort of foreign dramas. You know, yeah. Gomorrah and the Bridge and all that. Exactly. I'd watch the angry maids oh, of Salamanca. Yeah. And I, I actually, this is this shows you the level of detail that goes into research in these podcasts. <laughs> I spoke to our resident Spanish football <laughs> <laughs> genius Craig Williams and asked him what specifically is this flagship Spanish broadcaster and he confirmed that it was Latuno. However, Fantastic. I don't believe that there is actually a series called The Angry Maids of Salamanca. Do you think we could crowdfund that? Well, you know, you know I've clear this will be the moment where we've copyrighted. Yeah, exactly. It, so. it's, it's on record now. Do you know, I yeah. may have went for that if 
if it was a more believable i genuinely thought forks and knives was a made up no nope, the documentary i was like how can that be unless unless <laughs> genuinely <laughs> someone on, that's, that's uh, not very original unless someone <laughs> unless someone genuinely did hack the wikipedia page and just wasn't that great at hacking it like he didn't decide to put anything offensive he just said oh yeah he's, he's a vegan and what, who, what who, sounds like a vegan actually true. who does make that up though yeah <laughs> um I'll, I'll i'll ask the tiebreak question anyway just see if you can okay. recover some credibility here right so just uh, whoever shouts out the right answer first okay so which of the following three people did not feature in the 2002 movie a shot at glory now you're familiar with that film the alan mccoyst film a shot at glory Yep, part uh, of it was filmed at Rugby Park. I think I might be in the crowd scene. I yep. remember it. I can't say I've seen it. Yeah, well, you're missing <laughs> out. You're, you're very much missing out, Chris. Okay, so which of the following people did not feature in the 2002 movie A Shot of Glory? Was it A, Michael Keaton? Was it B, Stephen Cragen? Or was it C, Didier Agat? Michael Keaton, surely. <laughs> Stephen Cragen. And Gaby wins again. Yes. Oh, God. <laughs> so Didier Agat was in the film i think he was playing for wraith rovers at the time right um but there were several players in there there was john martin the air keeper there was mccoyst obviously although mccoyst was playing a celtic player and they didn't have the budget or the cgi to make that a realistic thing so they literally just took all these clips of mccoyst scoring for rangers against celtic and painted the tops so it was like it, it looked like McCoy was wearing a green yeah, and white. Yeah, sort of CGI'd it, and yeah, it was. And he was uh, he was playing for Kelly at the time, I think, uh, and then in the film played against them, knocking them out of the Scottish Cup. And was was he playing for Kilnocky? Kilnocky in yeah. the film. Yeah, <laughs> it wasn't that imagination. They had Robert Duval in it. That yeah. man's in the Godfather. Yeah, he's like, how does how do you if you like skimmed through if you hadn't ever like if you didn't know that he was in the Godfather and you sort of skimmed through his his IMDb page you'd be like oh he was in a film with Ali McCoyst oh what's this one they got oh right okay how did that happen but yeah fair, <laughs> fair enough Robert that's uh, we've all got to end up somewhere anyway that's all from us here at Football Scotland for today we'll be back tomorrow before 4pm just in time to make your daily work commute that little bit more bearable you can get more from us at the Football Scotland website or our social media channels on Facebook and Twitter at football underscore Scott to ask a question or make a comment to us individually you can get me on at old firm facts one Chris on at by Chris Doyle and Gaby on at Gaby McKay. Until tomorrow, thanks for listening. <laughs>